All right, welcome to Salty Dogs Podcast. We're going to get sued by ESPN for that one. Oh, man. No, that's Monday Night Football. That's public domain, bro. Is it? Yeah. It's got to be. That song's like at least famous last words of people who got served. Casey likes to interrupt my introductions. I do. Welcome to Salty Dogs Podcast. I'm Jason, one of the hosts here. We got Casey back on the mic. Oh man, it feels good to be back. Yeah, too. he was out, I and was, uh, I was I was sad that I missed. Yeah, but we kept the ball rolling. We yeah. missed you. Uh, we we honored sa- we honored sound, you. He didn't sound like he missed me. No, we no. did. <laughs> I'm sorry that we didn't meet your expectation. Oh, but Casey likes to do that. He likes to set people up for expectations where they're going to fail. Yeah, never. yeah, yeah. And then he well, holds I can grudges. Rain down and condemnation, and that's his. Yeah, it's kind of my thing. So Casey's back. <laughs> Casey's back, and we get his wit and his grit. Yeah, yeah. His wit and his grit. And we have a special guest, very, very special guest this morning, Pastor <laughs> Joseph W. Boyd III, also known as <laughs> Joe Boyd, Joe pastor of Aviator Church in Derby, Kansas. You guys are on year number... We'll be nine. We'll be nine in September. They're going to be nine years old. They're going to be this many. I just held up my hands. That's right. With nine fingers. Yep. So, Joe, we've got a history, brother. Yeah, we go way back. We go way back. Yeah. And and not a bad history. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'm excited that Joe's here. You know, me too. I, I, we prayed before this. Believe it or not, we actually do pray before we podcast. Yeah, we do. It's the pre-podcast prayer. It's the yeah preface. Preface. Yeah. Pre-podcast prayer preface, just to make sure that things go the way they're supposed to go. And um, yeah, I just prayed, and I, I just wanted to make a make a statement. At the table, you've got Joe Boyd, you've got me, Jason, then you've got Casey. And ten or seven years ago, I moved here on September twentieth, twenty ten, and it was probably that week that we ran over to Jordan's. And we went down into his basement, and they were playing Call of Duty. Yeah. And Casey's yeah. sitting there on the couch, and on the way. Joe's like, there's this guy you got to meet. His name's Casey. He's kind of in a rough spot. It reminds me a little bit of you. You kind of have a similar past. So I'm sitting there in the car like, I just got here, and I'm supposed to like, you know, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Oh, I'll just share my testimony. Maybe the Lord will use it, you know, and he did. He I doth, would say he the, doth. The Lord doth that which he doeth. This is true of him. And now we're kind of best friends, I think. <clears throat> I'd say Man, so. Joe's been the start of a lot of things, and I, you know, I'd like to... Introduce him as well, because um, I went to Aviator, and uh, when you guys first started, and you were in the high school, the Derby High School, and I remember, uh, man, you were preaching, and it just, it broke me, you know what I mean? And that, for me, was the start of a long journey, um, a frustrating journey, but it was the, that was the beginning of where I was like, I gave, I gave it what I had to give, you know what I mean? And, you know, Luckily for us, the Lord works with what we have, all we have to give, and it might take him some time. But that was the jumping off spot for me, and and uh, you know, I we I was there for a little while and just went my own way and stuff. So, but I'm glad that Joe's here because you know he's you're part of the beginning of it all, brother. For me, anyway. So, and and you know, one of my favorite parts of of your story, Casey, was that. Uh, whenever you came and and got real serious about God, um, one of the things that jumps out at me is the number of people who started coming to Aviator when we were meeting in the high school who knew you when you were in high school. Mm -hmm. And it was crazy because uh, there were people who had some some pretty big challenges going on in their life. Like, I mean, I can think of several people that uh, were struggling with drugs or alcohol or that kind of a thing. And they were like, man, you know, I... 
I look at what's happening in Casey and I knew him before and I'm, and I'm experiencing him now and I want what he has. And so it was like, that was, that was, that was one of those magnetic things that, that happened in the story of our church and and your story and how that all worked. And, and, and what's crazy is I see that even happening today where people meet you regardless of how they meet you. They're like, I, I, I want that. Yeah. I appreciate that. He's got that on him. That's for sure. Yeah. And you know, like it just, I I didn't get it right the first time, you know what I mean? And it was, like I said, a long, long process, but I appreciate that. Cause have any of us got it right? Exactly. Exactly. And and, you know, it's true. And I'm, and I'm (laughs) just kidding. And I'm so great. And I don't want to make this about me, but I'm just, I'm in a place of gratitude because I've had people say, dude, I can't, I've, you know, I've meet new people and now they're, and I tell them about my past and they're like, dude, I can't even, they don't believe you. They're like, I can't picture you as that. You know what I mean? And I was like, well, good. Cause a lot of people can't picture me as I am now either, you know? And so, but yeah, it's been a wild ride, you know? And, and you're right. My story is deeply intertwined with aviator and, you know, good and bad, you know. Well, well, along those lines, like, 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 you know, the crazy thing is when people start to know you in your role as a leader, a pastor, whatever, whatever titles, you, you know, you have in, in ministry, um, they kind of, they, they, they can only see you that way. Like there were people who knew me when I had hair, right. <laughs> and they still can't look at me and think, oh, that's Joe. Like I don't look the same. There are people who have only known me bald and they can't imagine me with hair. But here's the funniest thing that ever happened to me. Um, whenever I graduated high school, I was probably voted the least likely to care who got voted anything in high school. I was that guy and nobody could really figure out what I was going to do. And, and so literally we had our 20 year, uh, anniversary, which by the way, your, your youngest sister heard that I was invited to go to that and looked at me and went, you're old. (laughs) And I'm like, well, you know. We, we can't Thanks. all be seventeen. Good. Thanks, Taylor. You know? <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. <laughs> and and the and the thing that was nuts was I said, look, guys, I, I I'd love to be there, but I was speaking at a conference to pastors, mm-hmm. and I said, look, I, I'm sorry, I can't be there. I'm speaking at this like like pastors conference, you know, in whatever city or whatever it was, and um and and the president of my student body wrote back, Joe. If you don't want to come, just say you don't want to come, but don't lie about it. I mean, they just, they they didn't have a clue. They didn't, they didn't, nobody would have thought I'd be a pastor. That's crazy. That's funny. For photos of Joe without hair, follow at Salty Dogs Cast on Instagram. (laughs) Or anything in the past (laughs) decade. (laughs) I'm trying to drive them to our side, Joe. All right, all right. Yeah, so... Uh, obviously a lot of, a lot of history around the table, a lot of stories we could go on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, but today, um, I thought it'd be great to have Joe Boyd on in follow up to our podcast that we recorded last week with, uh, or two weeks ago, whenever it was Chris Cerna and Nick Eady. And so what we all had in common was that we got our first full-time ministry start and opportunity and platform, whatever you want to call it with Aviator Church. And Joe Boyd was the guy that, um, you know, recognized that we had this call. We were eager. I always say we were wet behind the ears, kind of like just, you know, we're ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. And Joe's like, let's do this. And so, Joe, tell me just real quick, um, just a little bit about Aviator Church, uh, when you guys started, where you're at now, and uh, and then we'll that'll help us have some context for the ministry that you're in, and then that'll lead us into our topic about um, how you're how you're able to. Um, equip and recruit 
young leaders or people who have never led into into a ministry position. And so typically we know people hire out that kind of stuff, but you know, you've been really amazing at recognizing things in guys and then allowing them to lead. And so just kind of give us some context for where that's taking place. Okay. Well, well, actually, before I do that, Jason, can you give me just a little context? Like, I know this is a fairly new podcast. Can you talk sure. to me just a just a little bit about who the audience is? Who's yeah. who's typically? Mm-hmm. What's the target? Because I could say a lot about Aviator, sure. but but I'd really like to dial in for what's most beneficial to the people that you're yeah, trying right. to reach. That's good. I, you know the demographic that we have. I don't. I don't. I don't really know who know who's to say. You know, but uh, as far as what we had. Um, Jason and I had a heart for is, you know, gleaning wisdom from people who have been in ministry to help, you know, people, I guess, and to, and to really talk about things and start asking questions, you know, of, of Christian establishment, things like that. Um, things that, you know, we need to maybe start readjusting in our minds and get our minds renewed on. But for the most part, we wanted to get people in that have been in ministry for a long time so that we can glean wisdom and that so people that are listening can yeah. glean that wisdom from from people who have been in it, you know. And so I would really say it's it's geared towards people who are in ministry, who are thinking about being in ministry, who have been in ministry mm-hmm. and have left. And so really it's not a, you know, I, I don't know that unbelievers would listen. I hope they would because they're going to hear the gospel through the podcast. Yeah. We lean on Jesus for all things. Um, but also... Um, I, I would hope that new believers would be able to glean from some of our topics. And so we have topics like kingdom living. Like I think everybody can, needs to understand that. But then when we talk about things like this, you know, identity in ministry versus identity in Christ, and then talking to a leader about how he's recruiting and equipping leaders and how he's given people opportunity to step in and step up, you know, I think that's going to be leaders who are going to listen to that. Okay. Okay. Well, then, in in that context, let me let me give you the why behind what we did, and mm-hmm. then I'll just tell you the things sure. that God's done yeah. in, cool. in the time. Yeah. Um, well, Jason, you know because you were actually on the team praying with us before we ever actually made the move to come to uh, Derby, Kansas, in the yeah. Wichita area, praying and, and making logos sure. and graphics and all that. Fun yeah, stuff. it was. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. But but um, really, I was I was afraid to take the step to, to make the move. And as that's as genuine as I can be about it. I was afraid because I, I, I kept having self doubt, um, going, God, why would you use me? Is this possible? How's this going to work? And, and I was, I was studying guys that started churches, uh, because truthfully, I didn't know what happened to guys if they started and failed. I only met one guy, and it happened at a wedding rehearsal, and the guy was out of ministry. He had started a church, and he hated life and just seemed like a shell of a person. Mm. And, and This that, podcast is for those kind of guys, too. Yeah, and, and it really it scared me, because the thing is, you only hear the stories about the guys that are still the doing success, it, yeah. the success. Right. You don't hear the stories about people who don't make it. And so I, I said, look, I'm going to commit and I want to be around people that have made it. And I really buy into second Timothy chapter two, verse two, right? I buy into this, this idea that you need to apprentice and study under people that have done it well, mm-hmm. um, just, just to kind of get a handle on it. But, but that can also be a crutch because you can, you can study that and you can trust and think, Oh, I'm, I'm still in R and I'm still in development and never take the step, never get out mm-hmm. of the boat. Yeah. And so I went to this um, church in, in, in around the Dallas area, and I didn't get to meet with the pastor. 
um, he had something come up and I couldn't meet with him. And he asked one of the elders to come speak with me. And, and it was, it was kind of one of these divine moments where he said, look, Joe, there's, there's two things that God has really laid on my heart to share with you. And, and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, I, you know, I don't know what that means, but he said, here's the first one. Uh, every night I read a Bible story with my kids. I have an older daughter and a younger son. And we were reading this Bible study, and this was pretty early on in the church. He was part of the team that started the church. And um, they read the story of Lazarus. And he says, well, you know, who do you identify in the story? And if you do any serendipity, like small group ministry type stuff, that the classic question, I think the most important question you ever ask in a small group setting and discipling someone is, who do you identify with in this story? And, and it really unlocks a lot. And so he asks his uh, son, who's younger, and he says, well, Dad, I, I kind of feel like that crowd that's following Jesus. I just want to get closer to Jesus, and I want to go where he goes, and I want to do what he does. And, and, and he said, oh, that's really good, son. And then, then he turns to his daughter, and she's two, two, two and a half years older, and, and, and says, well, who do you identify with? And she said, well, Dad, I know I'm not Jesus, but, but I can relate with Jesus in that when we go to church or when we go to the store, I, it's like I can see people that are looking for something or maybe looking for Jesus, but they just haven't found him yet. And he said, wow, that's really good. And then his kids hit him with this unexpected question. They turn it on him. Who do you identify with? Who do you yeah, identify yeah. with? And he stops. Yeah, Dad, what about you, Dad? Yeah, yeah, great question. And he, and he said it was like the Holy Spirit in that moment just spoke to him. And he said, I'm the tree. Because he had helped start a church, but here's the thing about the story of Zacchaeus. If somebody hadn't gone along and planted a seed long, long before Jesus ever came into that, that scene or Zacchaeus came in that scene, the tree wouldn't have grown. And it was a sycamore tree. Yeah. And, and sycamore trees... Casey but, knows a lot about sycamore I, trees. Yeah. I mean, sycamore <laughs> trees, medicinally speaking um, and practically speaking, were, were used in burials, but were also used for medicine that offered life. So literally this tree that, that hangs, like this man's hanging in the balance of life or death, he literally climbs up in this tree. And what the tree allows him to do is look past the crowd mm. and come eye to eye with Jesus, and it completely changes his life. Mm. And, and, and that was the first thing that he shared with me. The, and, and I mean, I'm sitting there like, that is probably the best answer I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, yeah that's and, crazy. And sometimes crowds aren't the best representation of Jesus. No, Because people not. are messy, right? Yeah, but crowds are also a reality with mm -hmm. Jesus. Because the thing is, people that, that are nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and they're drawn to him. Mm -hmm. And and the church is jacked up. I mean, like, if you read the, the New Testament, I, I think some people can read the New Testament and they get... They get so focused on the doctrine that this is what you have to do, and this is what you have to do, yeah, and this yeah. is what you have to do, and they miss this broad stroke mm -hmm. that he's correcting. Oh, like, yeah. Like he is correcting yeah. the church because, yeah. because we get off course, and we yeah. do the wrong thing, and we, and we do it for what we think are right reasons. Yeah. I mean, everything everybody does in a church— Somebody thought was a good idea, yeah. right? And, and they're sincere, <laughs> and they're sincere, yeah. but but it doesn't mean that you're you're on track. And so that was the first thing. The second thing he did was like literally, I'm looking at this long folding table that that we're talking on mm -hmm. on this podcast. Mm -hmm. 
And there was a church, uh, in this church, there was a table just like this. And he takes his younger son, puts him on the table at the end, kind of down here where Casey is. And then he goes to the opposite end where none of us are. And he stands several feet out. And then he just holds his arms out. And his son runs to him and lunges off the end of the table. And he catches him. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's the second thing God wanted you to see. Hmm. That's freaking awesome. And so I have to take this long four and a half hour drive back to Houston. And I'm just sitting there processing yeah. that God is calling us to go ahead mm-hmm. of, of, of a point where other people are going to come mm-hmm. and, and start something, plant something. The second thing was he spoke to my fear in that you need to take the jump. Yeah. And there's a point in everybody's ministry where they have to take a jump. Now, Fast forward that, um, God has done some pretty incredible things. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, like some things that I can't, I can't explain in any other way than God did it is, um, there's never been a week in the history of our church where God didn't bring guests to the church. Mm-hmm. Never been a week. I, I, I don't have any good explanation for that other than God wants to add to the numbers I mean, that's, you know, biblical, it's Acts 2. But then the other part is, I think that there's an expectancy that we just believe God's going to do something, God's going to bring people in the yeah. mix. And so, so and, and as a church, we always pray for two things. We, we pray for lost people because Jesus said he came to seek and save the lost. And, and then the other thing we pray for are leaders. And we pray for leaders because Jesus said that, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to pray to God to give you leaders. And the thing is, leaders don't always show up in the form of, hey, I've got this like seminary degree. I have this experience. Most (laughs) leaders that Jesus uses don't show up with a resume that would get them the gig. And and, and So so my resume didn't get me the gig? No, the relationship got <laughs> yeah. you and the call because yeah. because the thing is we have history beyond the seven years that you showed up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I knew you back whenever, um, you know, you were a youth pastor. Yeah, I was a youth pastor, and we were, and I was looking for a guy to help me with a graphic. Mm-hmm. And you know, the thing was, there was this divine moment where you know I knew that whether you helped us with this graphic or not, whether you ever came and worked with our student ministry or not, that I knew that I needed to know you. Like and and I call that sympathetic resonance. I think there are people that that are just um, they they they're they're on the same path. They're they're kind of cut from the same cloth. Like Casey, you can probably appreciate this as a musician. Mm-hmm. Sympathetic resonance is where you take two tuning forks that that are identical. You strike one, and if you hold it in the presence of the other, it will begin to vibrate and yeah. carry the tune. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I think that there are people that are called. To ministry, and you just kind of pick you up on know, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And 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 so God's done that. We've we've seen an enormous number of people take a step of baptism. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think I think that Aviator Church best described is that we we have a vision to see our cities transformed one mm-hmm. life at a time. But the best way I can describe it is it's people taking their first steps, whether it's a first step of faith, first I would step of highly agree with that. baptism, I, I agree with that first step in ministry, first step to serve. It, it is a it is a front end, you know, walking through the door ministry. Right. That church that really really focuses on that. So you you'd you'd agree with, with the statement that aviator is an evangelical pretty pretty heavy on evangel evangelism, you know, getting people to Jesus, but then, you know, I guess, um, 
just like I don't know, like leading them to the water, but they have to, you know, kind of kind of figure out a lot of things and and they could do that there and then move on from from like you said, you're sowing seed, right? And so become what they are, you know what I mean? But you just sow the seed, sow the seed. So it's like evan- evangelism heavy, right? Well, yeah, I would say it's it's heavy evangelism. Yeah. Um, because I mean, I just told you, like, like what yeah. we pray for are lost people, <laughs> yeah. and we yeah. pray for leaders. Right. But but here's the thing: it's like, you know, I think I think it's easy to make an assumption that aviator is just kind of a starting point, and then there's nothing after it. That's not necessarily mm-hmm. true. Um, when you when you call people to take steps and you call people to go to ministry, the thing that I know is that we have had people come through and go on to do uh, other things. Yeah. yeah. And you know, Jesus had the disciples for three years. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, even though they continued on the mission, right. they did it in different continents and yeah. contexts. And yeah. so so the thing is like just because a place is a place that you got to start, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the place that you end. Yeah. And in fact, mm-hmm. if you're calling people to see cities transformed, they're going to eventually go. You need to expect yeah. that yeah. that they're going to go because because truthfully, um, you know, a lot of churches can measure their success by their seating capacity, but I've always measured by our sending capacity. Mm-hmm. You know, like 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 the other thing that stands out that I didn't say is that Aviator Church has helped start seven churches mm-hmm. inside of the first, you know, seven years. We're getting ready to start another uh, location this year, going into our ninth year, and. Um, and, and and the thing is, I think that God's really just kind of getting going. Yeah. Um, but before we ever started the church, one of the things we said we were going to do was was start ten churches or ten congregations in ten years. Yeah. And so it's never been about us. And I think that that because we focus so heavily on multiplication in the beginning, God gave us favor. Mm. And has allowed us to survive some things that kill a lot of churches and ministries yeah. over the years just through change and yeah. financial so, turns and all that. So to speak to that, um, it, as you're hearing Joe's heart on um, you know, evangelism, praying for lost people, praying for leaders, and then knowing that there's vision to help start churches um, – it just it's one of those things that resonates within me about who you are and your gifting and your role to the body and so yeah. before the before the audio was recording we were talking just a little bit about Ephesians chapter 4 um the scripture where it says to some he gave to be apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers or you can call it a pastor fivefold ministry whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. it goes on to say for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry Correct. so that the body of Christ is is built up and goes on to maturity and you know knowledge of Christ. And so when I when I when I think of Joe Boyd and I think about the role that he played in my life, he talked about the sympathetic resonance, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got I got that right. That's mm-hmm. kind of a that's a that's a heady you wordy phrase you there. You did it. Yay! <laughs> and so I got a gold star for you, bud. Thanks, brother. Yeah, and so welcome. you can put it on our salty dogs uh, carrying case. Nice. For our, yeah, that'll be good. Good idea. And so <laughs> so I think about that and how you. You um, aligned with that role whenever you made the phone call and said, hey, man, I've been um, holding off for about three weeks now, but the Lord's telling me I need to call you and ask you to move here to step into ministry. And just literally a week before that, I had been on my knees and cried out to the Lord and said, Father, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want. You know, And I just had prayed this prayer of sacri- or prayer of willingness and 
and um, humility and said, okay, God, whatever you want. So then Joe calls and he he fulfills that role and, and then calls me to be a part of his ministry uh, to step in to be a location pastor. And so I've I've seen that on him in, in many different ways. And the conversation that we had earlier this week when I asked you about coming on board for today is you had said, or I'd said, there's probably, it's been about 80 to 85% of the people that have been in any kind of ministry role or on staff at Aviator Church had never, ever at any point been in any kind of ministry or staff role. Yeah. And so that so that's a big deal. But but what I see for Joe is that if you look at this APES model, I really feel like he's apostolic. He is. And so the word apostle means one sent. Mm-hmm. You're just sent. The Lord sent you. I mean, I'm kind of apostolic in nature that the Lord has sent me as well. But I also have vision for new things mm-hmm. and also have gifting of leading right. to be able to help see some of those things move forward. Um, Joe... I see your role to the body and your role into the in the kingdom is you have authority as an apostle. You have God-given authority yeah. as an apostle. And and so if people get up in arms when we use these phrases and we use these titles like the apostle Paul, you know, only the 12 that saw Jesus were apostles. You know, and let me say something real quick, man. Just because <laughs> ahead, just Casey. because people aren't walking in that doesn't mean that the truth isn't the way that it is. You know what I mean? Sure. And they can get upset about titles or whatever, but we're talking stuff that's straight out of the Bible. This is biblical, you know what I mean? And I highly agree that Joe is apostolic in nature. I really do. You know, and that he has authority to walk in that gift. And I just wanted yeah. to say that real quick, just that, you know, well, sure. well, the how... truth is the truth, no matter who, who gets in ar- up in arms about it anyway. You yeah. know what I mean? So True. Thanks, Casey. Go ahead. Yeah. Listen to the preface, too. <laughs> we have a good heart in this all. But, but Joe, you have a God-given authority in the kingdom to, to go about the Father's business. And I've talked about this um, in past podcasts, but the prodigal son, when he comes back, the Father puts a ring on his finger, and that's a symbol of authority. That's a symbol of, you can go about the Father's business in my name and you can go build my estate and take care of things. Mm-hmm. You can leave the estate, and you can go and take care of things in the city on my behalf. And I, this is who I see you as. And and so the Lord's gifted you and allowed you to be able to see that. You've got that resonance going on. You get around somebody, it's like, this person's got a call. But you're not afraid to speak into their life. And number two, you're also not afraid to allow them to step into your ministry, which yeah. is your, yeah. it, it's the Lord's. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you've put, I, I remember the first time you let me preach um, at Aviator Church and <laughs> God, I don't know where that sermon is, but <laughs> okay. And uh, I just remember, I, I, maybe I went up to you and I said, man, Joe, just, I thank you for allowing me to do this because you guys put blood, sweat and tears and time and energy and sacrifice and moved your family and moved and put everything on the line to be there to start what the Lord wanted you to start, but then you allowed me to step in and just have the platform that, I mean, I don't want to say that you built, but that you, the Lord used you to build. And well, I mean, you, you, like I mean? you steward it. Like yeah, you're, you steward you're responsible it. for for guiding it. You don't want to. Mm-hmm. You don't want to lose. You don't want to lose ground. You don't want to lose your way. But 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 here's the thing: everybody's got to have a start. Yeah. yeah. And and the thing so that is that super and that's the question. I, oh, sorry, I interrupted you, but that <laughs> that was the question that I was going to ask you next. Is like how how do you have no fear for you know just by experience like with me? You know how do you have no fear of seeing me as who I was, a drug addict still, and then still giving that 
you know, with, with no fear whatsoever and no, you know, no reservations about it. Like what? Oh, there's reservations. <laughs> like, let's not, let's well, not, I mean, let's I not mean, mislead. Like, like I'm not this guy that's walking around without, without concerns or thoughts. I mean but, like just conquering fear, Well, but, you know, but like, let's, let's, let's go back and look at how Jesus called the 12. Right. Okay. Like he had, he had a multitude of disciples that were following but he called the 12. And when you go back and you look at these people that he called mm-hmm. to, to follow him, you know, initially, I, uh, when I read all this, I thought, oh, man, like this is why I can go from, you know, being a, a student in pharmacy school into ministry that God can use people that don't have this, this religious pedigree. They didn't know at this young age. But, but you got to remember the context that he called, he called Jewish men that were, you know, uh, doctors and uh, fishermen and, and small business owners and even tax collectors yeah. that everyone would have hated. He called these guys, this unlikely group of leaders, mm-hmm. to be the ones that followed him. Mm-hmm. But the piece I think we forget is that he didn't just call these guys out of the blue. It was ingrained in the culture that every young boy would mm-hmm. study scripture. And they were yeah. ultimately the, the highest pursuit was that they would follow a rabbi at some point. And these, all of these guys had been rejected and said, Hey, you didn't make the cut. You know, you probably ought to go fish or you ought to go do something different. (laughs) And, 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 and their mother's dream was that they would have been someone who followed a rabbi, became a rabbi, became a religious leader. And they're walking around with this sense that I I felt like I was supposed to be doing something for God, but then life happened. Yeah. And so the thing that I can say about every person that has ever been called into ministry by me was called by God before they were asked by me. That's true. Because like yeah. I, I look at Jason and Jason knew, you know, he had an experience whenever he was a young guy mm-hmm. that, that there was this moment where he, he knew that God was going to use him. But then, you know, there's this wrestling, like when, how, um, based on my choices I'm making, I don't know how I fit that mold. Um, (laughs) I sensed that in you. And I think that, that even though we probably have never had that direct conversation, I sensed that in you, um, every person that I've had at some point, like, like even last week, Nick, uh, or the last episode, Nick was talking about, you know, Hey, at a young age. Yeah. I knew that I was supposed to do this. When I was 16 years old, I felt God call me, yeah. but I didn't know what to do with it. And and in fact, lots of people are in churches where there are young people who sense a call in their life and they say, I feel like God's calling me into the ministry and nobody knows what to do with them because they don't know what to do with them. They, they <laughs> yeah. haven't experienced it. They're yeah. like, oh, that's really yeah. good. Keep reading your Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and they 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 go okay that's great I move out of the house I've got to pay pay my way more people are telling you what you should do for a vocation than challenging you to follow God with your passion and the mm. calling on your life right. and there's just not a lot of people doing it and so I, I I sense that what God is doing in me and through me is 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 allowing me just to be one of those people that asks that question mm-hmm. and and I feel like it's an opportunity where just like the disciples Jesus said come follow me and these guys dropped their nets and and I have seen people leave careers most yeah. people that have come on staff at our church have walked away from an income that was at least twice what we were able to afford yeah. um except for me 
<laughs> you no, know, I did. I did. I did. <laughs> no, absolutely. You yeah, did. I, I mean, did. you know, and, and, and so the thing is, I, I think that you have to sacrifice something, but the call on your life has to be so significant that, that really I'm, I feel like I'm a catalytic leader in that I just make the ask yeah. because yeah. I'm praying mm-hmm. on a regular basis, God open my eyes so that I can yeah. see leaders. So you're well, asking, you're just asking, a, you're at, you're throwing the one word out. You're asking the question for what's already activated inside of them. You know what I mean? Well, it's not already, activated, well, but stirring. 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 And I, and I, cause I, when I was a young boy too, and my mom and dad could still remember this story. I ran out of the room because I, I had an experience with God when I was like eight years old and he was like telling yeah. me how he's going to use me. You know what I mean? Oh, and then goodness. I since forgot about you know, I had forgot about that until, you know, and the first one of the first things you said to me, or you're like, hey, I'm Joel Boyd. Hey, man, God is going to use you, bro. I was like, I was like, what? He's like, no, he's got a real big call. I was like, why are you, <laughs> you don't even know me, man, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Joe, yeah, Joe's not afraid to skip the nonsense and yeah, get down, right to down to it. It's yeah. true. But, but the thing is, there are times when that happens. Yeah. And, and, you know, like for instance, I had a conversation this week with a guy that I know God's calling. I know who God's calling him. And and I've had to I've had to wait patiently for a couple of weeks because this guy was he literally was going to take a better job in a different city. Mm. And we had been having a conversation and um and then and then he was gonna take it. And in the midst of all that, while this guy's halfway around the planet for his job in another country, God speaks to him. And he winds up telling his boss, I'm not leaving. The boss is over, like thrilled to death. But what happened was in him saying, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this other job. Mm-hmm. And he was an influential guy in the company. They were like, why? And, and, and he was able to talk about, he asked this question, do you believe in God? And so he's having spiritual conversations yeah. Yeah. in an environment where normally you wouldn't have those conversations. And right. it's led to this, this relationship where they're talking about God in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And now all these people he works with know that he's following God and boom, he decides he's going to stay. And, and I, and I just made the pitch. I'm like, look, here's what I think God wants you to do. I don't need you to quit your job, but I do need you to start to do this. Mm-hmm. And he said, that is so crazy that you'd ask that because six months ago, yeah. God was really doing something in me. Yep. And I, I was kind of like, my wife's been like, you need to talk to him. And, and you know, it was just like God was already doing it. And so I know that he's about to do great things. And I know that he's going to mm-hmm. step into that ministry role. But I think he's going to be more like a Paul in the sense that he's not giving up his tent-making job. He's just going to spend his his time in this passion, in this calling. Yeah. And then we're going to see what happens. Like, mm-hmm. like, is God going to pull him into full-time ministry? I don't know. I Actually, I think that most people really don't have to quit their 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 vocation in order to do ministry. Yeah. Um, I think some people do just because the, the time demands are so high. Yeah. But, but actually I think that there's a lot of people who, um, really have a passion and yet need to provide for their family in a way that God's not ready to like pull them in. Yeah. I, I still remember one time I, I said something to you along the lines of, man, just, I was like, Joe, thank you so much for trusting me. Mm. And Joe looked me in the face and, uh, he, he, he looked at my face, not my eyes. He looked me in the eyes yeah. and he said, Jason, he said, I don't trust you. I trust the Holy Spirit in Man. you. And so I think that was a, a big defining moment for me. And that really, I've held on to that. Like I think about that and I say, you know, 
we need to just trust the Holy Spirit in them. And sometimes I tell people, like, you just need to let that person be a child of God, which mm-hmm. means their daddy's going to sort them out. The father disciplines those he loves. He's so, so anyways, to go back to that, like, I think the question you asked was, you know, how do you kind of get past that fear, that yeah, kind of thing? Fear and I, of... Joe, I think what he said is number one, I already recognize, like, I know that when I'm speaking out, that God has already been working on them, or I yeah, trust that God's yeah. been working on them. So you're not you're not trying to evoke or start anything in a person. You're just coming along with what the Father's already, already doing, going. speaking yeah. to that, and that person gets that confirmation from you know another person in the body of Christ, um, and then they're they're activated into into moving into that. And so I've always. Because I knew that that's how I was, I knew all the churches that I went to and all the chairs that I sat in and all the pastors that I listened to and all the small groups I joined and all these different things that I did kind of in my journey trying to figure out where I'm going and what I'm doing. Here I am, this guy in these seats, and the Lord's messing me up, but number one, I'm not having anybody who's really looking at me and saying, man, what's God doing in your heart? Like, what are you doing? You know, I mean, I had relationship and people wanted to know how I was, but when it came to those deep things and that call that God had placed in my heart, no one ever really addressed that. And so I was a guy sitting out in the chairs and bouncing around and, you know, it wasn't until I met Joe Boyd that, that be- he began to speak to that in me and then something began to stir. But so knowing where I came from, and how I bounced around and I, you know, I was kind of lost and trying to, you know, do my own thing, but trying to follow the Lord, all that stuff, whatever. Um, now, when I look out at a, at a congregation or a room filled with people or whatever, whatever context, context I'm in, I fully believe that there are people sitting in that room that have just not been activated, so to speak, that something's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to move. He's going to use somebody to speak to that. And there's just going to be this, this birth that happens. And that person's going to start down a path that one, they've probably been wanting to go down for a long time, but have been scared or feeling inadequate and insecure and all those different things. But I see that, you know, and I just, I think Joe, with your, with your role to the body. And I think, that there are other people who really need to see that and embrace that and function from that, not just happenstance, but also intentionally yeah. so that the body of Christ is activated into their role and their call and their gifting. And then we really get to see some things start to churn and burn. Well, and you know, there, there's, it's funny. Like if you're listening to this podcast, you might've heard a phone ding <laughs> literally just now a, a pastor. That's a, a friend of mine. He's a pastor to pastors up in new England. Uh, pastor Anthony Milas. He, he just, you know, he just chimed and sent me something. And, 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 and I'll never forget this. Like the challenge, I believe that when you're, you're kingdom focused and you want to see cities transformed, that's, that's so much bigger than anything you're able to do. And, and, and I've always believed that we're not a church with a mission. We're a mission that happens to have churches. Mm -hmm. And, and so like what, what, what I believe God's put in my heart and the hearts of people around me is something that's so big we can't do it without other leaders stepping into answering that call. And Anthony, you know, when when we were struggling and trying to figure out, okay, we we, we feel like God's leading us to help start this, but I don't know where I'm going to find the guy. Mm-hmm. And I was praying about it, and and Anthony just challenged me. He said, he said, look, you got you got these hundreds of people <laughs> that are sitting there every week. You don't think God's already got that person in the mix? 
Mm-hmm. Because because disciples, the disciples that followed Jesus were literally right there in front of everybody else, mm-hmm. but he activated and called them out. Mm-hmm. And and I agree. I think that they're there. We've had mission teams come in and and you know the the crazy thing is we've had guys that I thought, man, this guy would be perfect for what we're doing, and call him out to to go into it. And the nut the nut so thing about it is is that that I forget sometimes that just because I'm calling calling something out in someone, they're not necessarily going to be a part of my ministry. Mm-hmm. Like my best friend, I knew was supposed to go into ministry. And I worked on this guy and worked on this guy and worked on this guy. And I I was offered a job uh, long before I ever met my wife or even came here to start this church. And I couldn't take the job because I had just signed on with a church that um, had a youth pastor that got killed. And I knew I needed to be there a minimum of two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they needed stability. They needed healing. But this is like one of my top 10 churches of all time I would want to work for. And it was like, we're talking, and I just blurted out in the middle of it. Like the Holy Spirit just went, bloop, bloop, here we go. <laughs> I said, you're not looking for a guy that would do video work, would you? And they were like, yeah, actually we are. And my best friend wound up going to work for that ministry. Yeah. And it was like, whoa. You know, I, my heart was broken because I always thought he should be working with me. But here's the thing. It's not my ministry. It's mm-hmm. God's ministry. Mm-hmm. And just because God uses me to call people out doesn't mean they're always going to be with me. Yeah. But one of the things I kind of wanted to jump into, I know you probably got some other questions, but but in, in light of like what I've been listening to in some of your podcasts are, are some of the challenges yeah. that I think people face when they've been in ministry for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so from my position, I kind of wanted to share a few things that I've learned sure. about when you call somebody into ministry that's never done it before, mm-hmm. there are assumptions that they have and there are, there are knockout punches they don't see coming. Mm-hmm. And, and so what I, what I've done is I've, I really tried to reevaluate some of that because I know I took some hard hits along the way and I, and, 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 and I'm not afraid to ask people to go into ministry, but I, I, I try and try and try to articulate this, but you don't know fully what people are saying until it becomes very real to you. Like Jesus told the disciples again and again and again, all these things are going to happen and they just didn't get it. it, And he gave them parables and they didn't understand it. And and so it wasn't a lack of him trying to explain it. It was just they weren't lack ready to hear it yet. Yeah. So like a couple of things that jump out at my uh, in mind are one, I think that um, people who come into ministry and they've never done ministry, they have this um, idea in their mind it's going to go one way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and then it's it's different. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard work. Yeah. Um. And and these guys they had a lot of hard work. Um. They they there's a tendency to want to rely on uh, your past experiences and not trust what God's doing new in your life. Like for instance, the feeding of the 5,000, these guys saw these thousands of people and they said, we need to send them away, right? Because their experience is you need to go to the towns and eat. And Jesus is saying, no, you feed them. What? And and they experienced that. Another one that, that stands out to me is uh, the comparison game. You know, we, oh, yeah. we look at yeah, other yeah, people yeah. to yeah. evaluate how we're doing. How we're doing, yeah. And the disciples are all argued about who would be the greatest among them. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is I don't think the argument was made that each of them thought they would be the greatest. I think that they argued about who would be the greatest. And when you sit there and you do that comparison game, mm-hmm. Jesus is like, you're missing it. Mm-hmm. Like when yep. you look at yep. the Gospels, 
in in Luke, there were two times that he got onto them about this. Yeah. Yeah. One time he was with a kid. The second time he was at the dinner table, you know, getting about yeah. to die. Yeah. And so, so there's that comparison trap. Yeah. But the third one, and the one that I think is the killer, is that um, I think that people make the assumption that being in the presence of God means that you are in the absence of the enemy. And that mm-hmm. is not true. <laughs> yeah. Because um, the thing that jumps out to me is, is Judas. You know, I mean, he's still one of the 12 he's called, but it said that there was this point where Satan entered into him Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then he betrayed Jesus. Right now we, we, we like to pick on Judas and be like, Oh man, he's the worst. Well, he was doing it, man. He was, he was a disciple. He was a disciple, but, but here's the thing. What I know is in the, in your, in that ministry, Satan was actively, they're looking for an opportunity yeah. to oh, yeah. take yeah. down yeah. a leader. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now the mistake that he made was that he never that saw Jesus as Lord. Because yeah. whenever, whenever Jesus said, "I'm going to be betrayed," two times he said, "Rabbi." Well, yeah, he said, "Rabbi." He said at first, whenever everybody else said, "Oh, not I, Lord," and then he comes up and he's like, "Not I, Rabbi." He he never saw him <laughs> anything more than a great teacher. <laughs> yeah. But then when he betrayed him with the kiss, he understood. He said, "Greetings, Rabbi." Mm-hmm. He still didn't get it. Yeah. And in that moment where it all came to be, mm-hmm. he went, "Oh, I've betrayed innocent blood." Now, see, he sold out Jesus. He was the guy that was carrying around the money yeah. bag. Yeah. But he sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, which was only, by today's standards, about 600 bucks. <laughs> I mean, really? Like, that is not a lot of money. And he yeah. even threw the money down because that didn't even matter to him anymore. Right. When, when you have an experience with Jesus, all the things that you relied on for your security yeah. fall away. Yeah. Because you realize he's the one. Mm-hmm. But, but then you take it one step further. He wasn't the only one that walked away from Jesus. Yeah, they all did. They all did. Except and for John. Well, hang on. Check this out. <laughs> Check this out. Scripture would argue that they all denied him right. because he said, "You will, you'll, you'll all walk away from me." Mm-hmm. Peter, no, no, no. And he said, "Surely." Now he emphasizes that and says, "You're going to do that." But the very next verse in Matthew 26 says, "And all the other disciples said the same thing." Mm-hmm. Now they all said, "No, we'll never walk away. We'll never leave you." Now, the thing is, they all denied him, and they all scattered, mm-hmm. and they were all apart, and they were all freaking out. Yeah. But, but what we know is that even when Peter felt like just terrible for what he did, he went back to his old job. Mm-hmm. He's fishing, and, and he doesn't come looking for that opportunity again. Jesus goes and gives him that second chance. And calls him back into ministry, and then the band gets back together, and then great things start to happen. They go back on the world tour. <laughs> literally. They literally. Literally go the on the world gets, tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this time, they, they, didn't, they didn't come and see. They, they went to die. Yeah. yeah. And how, and you know, how, and that, that just really hits a chord with me, too, because in my life, you know, I was, when I started out, you know, with Aviator and things like that. I was like, oh man, yeah. You know, I was all zealous and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Just like Peter. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm about it, Lord. I'm about it. And then you find out quickly, you know, quickly that you're not really about it, you know, and then you feel, you go back into, into what you know, which is condemnation and self-doubt and fear and anxiety and, and, and regret mm-hmm. for having ever started, 
you know, something that you weren't going to finish, you know, and Jesus even spoke to that. But then, you, like you were saying right there, man, like Jesus, there's a moment where he comes back to you after, you know, he comes to you where yeah. you're at and he comes and he makes it, he He comes back to initiate that relationship initiate again. Restoration. And then yeah. after that correction, and he corrected Peter very Gently too. He didn't come up on him. See, I told you, man. I told you were gonna. Why'd you do me like that? You know what I mean. Like he didn't say anything like that. He just very and even in the subtlety of his words, it cut Peter to the core. Mm-hmm. But there was a healing moment there, and then Peter was activated for his purpose yeah. after being humbled by doing trying to do it out of the flesh, you know, and trying to to be strong out of the flesh, you know. And so that and that, man, that's a that's a good word, Joe. Yeah. I really I, and I believe that man. That's gonna help somebody that's listening. Right I would now, argue that you know. that Jesus first reestablished relationship, and then he reestablished mission. Yeah, for Peter. Yeah, because Peter was all about mission. I mean, he had relationship with Jesus, but he's like, "I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. I'm going to be there. I'm, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z." And his words didn't line up with his actions, and I think we can all fall into that category. Man. But then Jesus comes, and it was over a meal that there was that face to face. Hey, let's have some fish. Let's hang out, and then we're going to start a conversation. That conversation is going to reestablish right. relationship. Do you love me? Okay, we're good. So now I'm going to initiate my mission for you, which for Peter was feed his flock, yeah. feed his sheep. And this is great because this is the vision that I had this morning when we were setting up. I was like, man, this is gonna this is gonna help something out, somebody out, because I believe that you know. And when we were talking about you know people that are listening that have been in ministry or have walked away from ministry, I believe there's a lot of people that are hurt, you know, by yep. churches, yeah. you know, yep. and it causes bitterness and resentment and anger and all these things, man, that are no good, man. And that's just what the enemy wants is to sow seeds of discord among the body. And so, but I believe, man, because I had this vision and now it's playing out. And it's just so trippy, you know, it's because people need to hear this, that there is purpose after failure, you know, that mm, there is rela- there is relationship after failure. There is reconciliation, you know, after failure, you know, and, and you don't have to keep on going in regret and keep on going, you know, so. Well, one of the things that I've, I've seen, I mean, like we, we've, we've had a lot of experiences over the years and had a lot of relationships and, and seen it play out. One of the things I see consistently play out is um is like yes there is reconciliation and i've seen people go in ministry go back to what they did before and now go back into ministry god's clearly called them back in and that's exciting that's exciting to see but but right before people kind of go out i've also seen some patterns happen right Mm -hmm. okay so like let's go back to the disciples discussing amongst themselves who's going to be the greatest right what i find is that a lot of times people won't go to the leader mm. and talk mm-hmm. about the struggles they're having. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They Guilty. often have them Guilty. They, they often have them peer to peer. And the problem yeah. with that mm. is that those are your peers, but they don't see the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And they may not have the authority that you were under in following that person. And ultimately we're under the authority of Jesus, uh-huh. but even look at what the disciples did when they were in there arguing and talking about yeah. who's the greatest. They didn't go, Hey, Jesus settled this for us. Yeah. Which would have been the quickest, fastest way to get there. And they, he had to interject. And the thing is he, he, they had been having the conversation before it happened. Yeah. And so as, as a, as a senior pastor, I can tell you that what I've experienced is oftentimes when it comes to me, 
there's been a lot of development. Right. This right, is true right, for right. people that are sitting in churches that that, that aren't necessarily happy or, or whatever. And the thing is, don't don't misunderstand holy discontent where God's stirring up something in you to send you to do something different. With grumbling. With grumbling. Yeah. And, and the thing is, it's mm. easy to go. There's a fine line. A fine line. <laughs> there's a fine line. And it's easy to go there. Um but 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 the thing is, you need to have conversations with people who can kind of help course right. correct. Because like for me, um, I wrote three letters of apology to the pastor that that I was under before I came here, yeah. and I didn't write them until somebody did to me what I did to him, <laughs> and I Man. went, oh wow, yeah. I I didn't see that before. And so so I think one part is have a conversation with your leader if you're struggling, if you're not feeling it, whatever, because because you got to remember Satan is actively trying to twist right. the yeah, truth all the time. Yeah. All, the, all time. the time. And that's Speak. true for Christians that are new Christians, baby Christians, long-term yeah. Christians, people who are leading ministries, it it is yeah. constant and and it will set you free. Yeah. Right. I I need to I need to speak a a sharp word to that because I'm I'm guilty of Me that. Too. Me too. I think there's a lot of people out there who are guilty of that. And it's one, it feels good to your flesh to have camaraderie in your discontent. Mm-hmm. It does. To commiserate. Yeah, to commiserate exactly. And misery loves company. Yes, it does. And so, you know, man, I you know, I don't agree with this. I don't like the way this is going. Let's all get together and let's talk about that. And so I've been there. Yeah. And I, I've done that to you, Joe, and I'm sorry. And I was just about to do I was just <laughs> I, about to do the same thing. I was just but, about to say, Joe, do you forgive me for, yeah. for grumbling so much? <laughs> I, I, I grumbled, you know, and, and again, there's a fine line. And there's a fine line between grumbling and uh, what's the Lord stirring, what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've, you know, I've done more line dancing than, you know, kids in second grade elementary class or something. You know, they'd set you up for line dancing. Bad joke. But um, I've done that. I'm sorry. You know, I... I know it's happened to me. You know it's happened to you. I know you're full of grace and mercy. Yeah. I mean, I know you are. And and we're not talking about anything that the 12 didn't go through. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so it's not a shocker. Like, I don't think any pastor that's leading a church or a flock or anything, anybody who's doing ministry and leading people, listen, we need to all be prepared that this is going to happen. It's yeah. in the Bible Mm-hmm. So that we can see, look, this is this is what happens, and hopefully you can you can address a lot of this and prevent a lot of heartache yeah. by learning from it and learning from their mistakes and sure. their challenges. Yeah. But but you have to follow that example of God's grace and and realize that hey, just because just because you got off track for a little while doesn't mean that the the call yeah. to, to follow Him mm-hmm. changed. Right. Sure, you know, I sure. mean, it just does. Well, I just I think there are people who are going to listen that need to hear. Number one. Um, if you're experiencing some sort of discontentment or whatever's going on inside of your heart, um, one, don't be like the disciples and just discuss it among your peers. Take it to somebody in leadership. I know there's going to be fear there. I know the fear of, well, what if I say this and they don't hear me or whatever it may be. There's going to be fear there and know that fear is not from the father. Fear is from the enemy. Right. And so Casey said it earlier, we need to stop the the grumbling because that's Satan's only trying to sow discord. Yeah. And so the longer you stay silent... Is the longer the discord goes on. The longer discord goes on, the, the worse things are going to get. And so one, pray against that fear of going and speaking to whoever you need to speak to about whatever's going on with you. Um, two... 
trust, don't, don't look to the leader, but look to the Holy Spirit in the leader. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And just know that that is God's child and God's going to, God's going to sort that out. And just because you go and you say something, you know, you're going to build up in your mind that a conversation is going to need to go a certain way. And you may even beforehand set up a disposition or not a disposition, um, set up an ultimatum in your heart that I'm going to go do this and I hope that they do this. And if they don't do this, or I'm going to be upset or I'm going to leave or whatever it may be. No ultimatum, mm-hmm. right? If, if, if you're feeling like you need to say something and speak up, go say it. Don't hold that leader to a, yeah. to a standard that, or don't set him up for failure before you even walk into that meeting. Yeah. But let me tell you that Satan, he, he's on the prowl looking for those whom he can devour. Right. And man, he's, he's a wolf. And he gets into the flock, and he starts to stir up yeah. dissension and discord, and disunity and division, and all these different things. He he is there to split and divide, mm-hmm. right? To divide and conquer. And so, just know that the well, just know that you need you need to step into that out of fear. Yeah, you know, not outside of fear, not in fear. And you need to move forward with that. You need to have conversations and you need to allow the Lord to work those things out because things are being held back. The kingdom of God right. is, is going to advance. The Lord is good, but let's get on, let's get yeah, on the same but team. Just because, just because God's providence goes forth does not alleviate you from your responsibility to do what the things that Jesus is asking you to do. And real quick, I want to speak to this too, because man, I, and I told you this before Joe ever came on and you were like, are you okay with Joe coming? I was like, yeah, dude, I think it's going to be a healing experience Absolutely. for me, yeah. for, for everything that, that we were involved in and the hurts and the pain, all these struggles, the great, the good, the bad, all this, man. So we're, we're coming to a place of asking Joe for forgiveness. So, and, you know, be, come to that place, like you said, with no expectation, the people that are going to the leaders. Now, leaders, if you're listening, uh, my Bible is literally, I open this up right here. Uh, it's <laughs> Proverbs 28. It's been sitting here right in front of me. It says Proverbs uh, 27, 23, know the condition of your flocks, okay, and give attention to your herds. So if you're a leader, uh, yes, you know, if you have w- one of your flock come to you, uh, know that condition, be a part of that condition, understand what's happening within the body. Do not give the enemy any foothold, you know, and just because people are grumbling or whatever, uh, you know, know the condition of your herds and don't turn a deaf ear to it. So I just wanted to speak to that real quick because I thought that, you know, that I felt that the Lord wanted me to throw that out there so that, you know, so that there is a a dynamic uh, of bringing together, right? The the flock and the shepherd, the people that have been activated for shepherds, right? So we can be cohesive so that the body comes and joins together and that unity goes forth and then the body can do what it's supposed to do, which is to act in unity. And if the whole thing is to get discord in so that people don't make these connections, so that people don't forgive, so that there are uh, things in your heart, you know, these roots that take hold, right, and aren't uprooted, that withhold you, that that keep you back from meeting your, you know, meeting your own yeah. destiny that God has yeah. given you. You know what I mean? And so this is all things that need to be cleared out of your heart. This is this is pulling the weeds out of the garden. You know what I'm saying? This is this is what this is about. So I yeah. just I really the scripture yeah. says clearly, see to it that no bitter root springs up exactly. among you. But people are eaten the full fledged fruit of that bitterness tree. Right. Either make the eat, either make the tree good and have good fruit or make the tree <laughs> bad and have bad fruit. You know what I yeah. mean? So Well and then and then the other thing that I notice about all that yeah. is that, that one of the great challenges I think people face is that um Whenever they, whenever they have a moment where they don't feel like they're succeeding or, yeah. and, and the thing is, once you get to the place where you're not, 
you have discord in your heart about what you're doing, you're not as productive. You're just, you're yeah, just not. You're just not. And, and I, and I, and I don't say that because I've just seen that in people. I've seen that in myself and in the past where I've served places. And, and so what happens is an example that, um, that you guys have used in previous podcasts is like the, the tower of Babel. Yes. Right. What I find is that whenever people are not successful, um, at doing what they were called to do, they will find a way to be successful at something that's in that realm. Hmm. And so um, the thing is, we can we and we can justify that. Look, look yeah. at the progress. Look at what's happening. And then God looks at it and goes, "Well, wait a minute. That's not what you were called to do." Yeah, and good. I and I think that in a ministry where you're under the leadership of someone else, if you are called to do something different than what that leader charged you and called you to do. Mm-hmm. Without a discussion, if you're just pursuing that, you're doing a lot of work, but you're not bearing a lot of That's, fruit. And I agree with that completely. And 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 you know the thing is, you can build something, and it's and it's going to fall down. Yeah, it's not going to survive. And so I I I think that by nature we want to feel like we're successful. We want to feel like we're doing something, and so we'll shift our focus away from what we're called to do to what we're good at. To what we're good at, yep. and instead of making disciples, we'll make excuses. Ooh, and that happens a lot too. It's huge. The, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord hath gone forth. That's, yeah, that's a... Take heed, <laughs> lest ye fall. <laughs> Joe, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to speak to one thing real quick that you said, and it was actually one of my questions because this last podcast, it was me, it was Christopher, it was Nick Eady, and you mentioned that you just, you know that just because you activate them and give them a platform, you know that they're not going to stay. Mm-hmm. And so this last, last podcast was three guys who'd gotten their start at Aviator Church and have all gone on to go do some other things, mm-hmm. right? And so I know as a leader that's hard when guys come up under you, but I wanted to, I wanted, one, I wanted to get your thoughts on it, but two, I wanted to just speak again to your role and your call in the body because... Um, I think that your greatest, your greatest um, gift, so to speak, when you're obedient in that, and you st- you you function from that, and you're able to help activate people in that to go start new things. So part of that apostolic gifting is not just being somebody sent, but it's also having that authority to, to send. then to send, yeah. right? So like Paul. Um, some would say Paul was like bishop status. So Paul was had authority to to help lead authority to establish authority. So there was like a third tier. So it says, hey, Timothy, um, you go take what I've given you, give it to someone else that can give it to someone else. He told Titus also, the reason I left you in Crete was to put into order what was unfinished mm-hmm. and go and establish elders in those towns. So he's saying, I have authority to give you authority to go give authority. It's a mantle. It's, it's passing on the mantle. Yeah, it's a passing on of a mantle. And so, Joe, I think that you, th- I think you're evangelistic in nature. When you teach, it it it's it always leads to you need Jesus, which is always great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But but that's you. That's that's the flow that the Holy Spirit leads you to teach into that. Um, and I think that's fruitful. But I think. An even more fruitful aspect of who you are is when you when you step into that apostle mantle. When you when you lead from that place, I think bigger things happen. And I 
man, I just, I just want to bless you to continue to function in that at a different and higher level than you've ever functioned ever, that yeah. in the history of who you've been, because the Lord's doing great things. I mean, he's using you to to change Derby and get people to know him. He's using you guys to start a new ministry. But what I see happening in the kingdom of God is that there's a greater unifying yeah, of the church coming together of yeah. Christ, and he is he the Father is bringing greater kingdom order so that people aren't just out there doing busy work, which we've talked, you can just go do that. You're good at all these things. You're good at preaching. You're good at evangelism, but you are gifted and given authority by God the Father to function from that apostle role so that you can activate the body to go be who God has called them to be. And that's a greater impact. That's yeah. multiplication. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's true. Evangelism is addition. I mean, it's funny. My name's Joseph, and, and I mean, literally, biblical translation, one who adds. Nice. Right? How but, about that? But but what's what's so crazy about it is God <laughs> so has cool. called me to multiply. And, you know, I, I really wasn't planning on saying this, um, but, I mean, I guess this is as good a place as any. Um, you know, somebody will hear this. Um, our church began with a dream, and... You know, recently um, I, I've had some some things happen where I was I was kind of worried for some people, worried for leaders that were kind of like like they're in transition, okay. Mm -hmm. And and the piece that sometimes people don't understand is that that I can be really focused on what God's called me to do, and I can't lose focus to shepherd and lead what God's put me in charge of. Sure, yeah. And and so when somebody else goes in a different direction, I'm I'm concerned for them because I know what's at stake. I don't think that Jesus ever lost concern for the disciples right. that that went a different direction. Yeah. But but I was so worried about it, and I was thinking about this all the time. And and I got to a place where I'm like, God, I can't. I, you know, I'm I'm focused on this. I'm struggling, and I'm I'm concerned. And I I said, God, you're going to have to just point me in the right direction. And I I went to sleep, and I had this dream. We're in the dream. I'm like, and, and you can't see this in a podcast, but <laughs> but like I'm 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 turned and say I'm looking over here at Casey. And in this moment, I'm seeing kind of what happened. I'm seeing the past and I'm concerned about these things. And I don't see Jesus, but I I, I feel him grab my shoulders and he shifts me kind of in the other direction. And what I see are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of very different people, geographically in mm -hmm. different places, looking very different, led by some that seem to be closer and following me and others that are, are, are led in other directions. And I woke up and I grabbed this, this envelope, junk mail, that just had like a blank side. And I yeah. immediately started to write down what God put on my heart. Right. And, and immediately, the first thing I wrote was that, Aviator Church will continue to be a multi-site church that will reach mid-sized cities mm -hmm. um, and, and with excellence. The second thing I wrote was that um, Aviator will play a part, or like I'll play a part in helping to raise up a hundred leaders that would start a hundred churches that would each start 10 churches. Mm -hmm. And let's just assume for easy math that, that like, let's say those are really fruitful. Let's say they, they reach 500,000 people, mm -hmm. right? Each. We're talking about a million potential people. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing I love as an evangelist, 
about church plants is church planning and starting new works yeah. lead to reaching people that don't normally go to church. Right. And and it opens the door for evangelism. And and so in that, I, I feel like God gave me a bigger vision mm-hmm. to say, okay, you've been doing this, quit focusing on the past, quit focusing on, you know, what like that, and focus on the work that I'm giving you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that I have to leave where I'm at in order to raise up leaders. Sure. I believe I'm supposed to bloom where yeah, I'm planted. I'm absolutely. called here. I'll yep. be here probably till I die. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> probably. Yeah. I never, never rule out what God might do. But, but, but the third thing that I wrote down was that, um, that I would help raise up authors and speakers mm. Because there, there's that station in the church that people that share testimony. I mean, most of the New Testament is yeah. testimony yeah. Yeah. that they have a specific story or ministry and to help equip them because I did that. I traveled and I spoke. And, mm-hmm. and the thing is, that's a really hard and confusing thing. And a lot of churches don't understand that. And you really don't have the support you need. And those were the three things God put on my heart. And so since I've shifted my focus... Uh, I have more joy in my heart. I have more confidence that, you know what, Good. just because people aren't going yeah. in the direction I I would go, yeah. most people wouldn't do what I'm about to do yeah. and focusing on help yeah. to start yeah. 100 churches. Yeah. Sure. And and that's okay because that God will wake you up in the night if he wants you to do it. Yeah. And that's just what God's put on my yeah. heart. And so, so actually, it's interesting you say that because I do feel like that's a role that I have. And awesome. I've waited out of fear mm, thinking, man. well, until we start 10, I haven't done what God asked me to do. Yeah. But the truth is you've got to get started now because the time is near and, 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 and we don't know exactly yeah. when the end comes. Yeah. But listen, it's getting closer every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not getting further away. No. <laughs> and that's so cool. Man, I love the dynamic on on the podcast and how people get blessed and activated. And, you know, you're blessing us and we're blessing you. And, you know, the, the spirit's flowing, man. This is what this is all about is getting together. And so, man, I just, yeah, I'm really, I'm so glad that, you know, that we decided to to do this with you, man. I really yeah. am. And I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm, and I'm you know, I'm glad. Man, I yeah. just, we're, my heart, my heart we're, rejoices. We're in this, man. I, it, and I'm going to say this to close. Um, I was at the citywide prayer gathering um, yeah. on Thursday night. It was at Central Christian um, up on North Rock Road. And I don't know how many people were there. It doesn't matter. But various multiple ministries and leaders and, and people uh, coming together to pray for our city, pray for our nation. It was National Day of Prayer. Um, but towards the end, Sam McVeigh had all of the... Uh, pastors and leaders in churches in the city that were there come up on stage and I don't, there might've been a hundred maybe or something like, I don't know, but people in vocational ministry um, all on stage. And uh, we were all up there. And, and, and so what he did was he had the people out there pray for us, but then he had the people up on the stage, pray for the people out there. And uh, it was, it was interesting because my prayer for the people out there was activation Right, that they would be activated, but that that just because we're up here doesn't make us any more special. But yeah. really, it we're not at the. It's not a it's not a top down situation. Flip that triangle upside down. It's the leaders at the bottom lifting up and raising up the people into what God has called them to do, right? And it goes back to what Jesus said to the disciples: "Who is the greatest? The least. The least. The, least, yeah. the one who serves. To the one who all. serves. The other the other thing that I felt when I was up there." Was I looked around at the stage, and I just I I I prayed for the leaders there, and I prayed for the churches because one thing Sam said was we're we're laying down competition, 
We're laying yeah. down, being yeah. against each other. We're laying all this down. And this is what God's doing in the city. This is what he's doing among his people. Regardless of what expressions look like, Jesus is, it's, he's supreme. He's he reigns head. supreme. Yeah. He's the head. And so we all have a function. Uh, you know, I might be a thumb, you know, and... <laughs> Casey's a toenail, but he's just as important as the rest of the body. That's and so I, that's because I jam. That <laughs> and so and wow. So, and so so what the Lord really laid on my heart, and to bring this back deep, um, is that that the Lord is cultivating a Jonathan David relationship between churches in the city. Mm-hmm. That there is. There is covenant and brotherly love that's gonna that we're gonna see happen because I mean Joe I gosh I love you man I do you're just you're a friend you're a brother I know I can go to you for anything like yeah. I love you I love Casey there are pastors in the city I got a phone call from a guy yesterday who knew we needed a truck and he said what's ours is yours yeah he wow. said he said the way we are we are be. he yeah. said we believe in community living we're brothers in christ we're in this together if you need a truck you can borrow my truck anytime no matter what and i'm like brother we're gonna need it and he said you can use it you know and so i'm thinking like we there are kingdom resources there are facilities there are pastors leaders there's money there's all sorts of things that exist within the kingdom but we've hoarded them to ourselves yeah. and the lord is yeah. breaking down those walls yes, so that churches and people can can work together, but not just because it's a good strategy, but because he's cultivating a love between people who are out there building the body of yeah. Christ. Yeah. And I just, I love this because for me, this is just another expression. And when I say this, I mean us sitting at this table doing this and having this conversation. This is just confirmation of what the Lord's doing yes. and yes, it's it going to continue. And we're going to see I mean, we're going to see some awesome things happen, not because we're good and we're great and we have good strategy and a lot of money, but because the Father's doing something in the hearts of his people. Yeah, and let's not forget what Jonathan and David were doing, man. Like, a lot of the time, they were at war together. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. that unity, that that trust, that ability to give yourself one to the other in a sense that you have my back and I have your back because we are in this together. And it is war. And that's what they were doing. You know, they were were swinging them swords man so you know and and i and i completely agree with you jason he's bringing this together he's bringing it all together in unity man and the time has come because we've been hoarding and we've been selfish with what has been given to us rather than multiplying it for the master what do we do we hit it we we buried it and hit it you mm. know what i mean for ourselves yeah you know out it's of true. fear out of distrust whatever but the time's coming where he's going to multiply man and i'm and i'm just like i said man i'll say it again i'm glad i'm glad right now my heart is rejoicing you it's know good yeah, it's really good. Joe, we love you, man. Thanks love for being too. on. Yeah. Love you guys. Yep. Well, that was it. That was it, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, share this out. If you listen, you make it to the end, um, share it out so that anybody who needs to hear uh, what we're talking about, they can have access to it. Follow Salty Dogs um, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Salty Dogs Cast. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play now. So we're branching out. I don't even, you know, you always say these things at the end, and I don't even know that those things are happening until you tell me. Yep. You know. They're happening. You're on it, bro. I'm on it, bro. All right then, guys. Love you. Thanks for listening. Peace out. Later.